Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception, but you knew that already. Thanks for joining. If you're listening, I appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate that as well. Today's episode is about philosophy. Does philosophy have a role to play in understanding leadership, understanding how to lead, a concept of leadership? Does philosophy have a role Philosophy will tell you its answer here coming up shortly. Hope you enjoy this show. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Welcome back, friends. We're talking about philosophy, its role in leadership. Does it have a role? The concept of fusing philosophy and leadership, which I came up with in the dusty room of Florida Atlantic in a kind of dusty old dingy philosophy class in 2016, January roughly, when I decided that philosophy and leadership should be merged. That's where that idea was born. That's where leadosophy was was first born. In a philosophy of mind class, I mentioned that on the first couple episodes, I believe. But I think it's a good time to fix my position on this journey. And by fixing position, that metaphor comes for me from a from a nautical nautical idea as far as understanding where your ship is on a voyage. You have to fix your position every so often to find out if where you're at is where you're supposed to be at. Are you on course? Are you headed in the right direction? And that's what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm trying to fix my position of leadosophy, fix leadosophy's position, and trying to reflect on the fact that I believe that philosophy and leadership should be fused. So this is this is the joy the joy the journey I'm on the voyage I'm on, we're on if you're part of it I appreciate it. I had a conversation with someone this past weekend. It really wasn't a conversation. It was it was a comment in passing by a person with a science degree, and made a slighted comment towards philosophy in general, liberal arts, and I get that. There's a lot of people in the science world, mathematic world a very black and white world where liberal arts is sometimes shunned, maybe downplayed, the significance downplayed. And that's fine. I'm all right with that. I try not to do that the other way. I, I know the value of science and mathematics and even business degrees, all that kind of stuff, business studies. I understand all of that importance. I think there's a place in this world for, for all of that stuff, the hard sciences, mathematics, and then the liberal arts stuff, even social sciences or whatever it may be. But why is philosophy, or does it seem sometimes that maybe philosophy is unattractive to people? It's always a question I have, and I'm obviously a little biased because I study philosophy. I love to read philosophy. I've I've been intrigued by it for for many years now, and that happened mainly in the last few years of my military career where I started just haphazardly picking up a philosophy book here and there, and the more I read it, the more I read different philosophers, the more I, I wanted to keep reading and I wanted to to write like that. I wanted to write philosophy. It was I was intriguing how people were able to carry out these ideas and explain their thoughts in a very sometimes using a lot of metaphors, 
just maybe taking some some intuitive experiences that we have, whether it's love or whatever it may be, and be able to put that into words, I think is very philosophical. I think I always say everyone's everyone has a little bit of a philosopher in them. I believe that. I strongly believe that. But again, why is a philosophy, why does it sometimes seem like it's unattractive to people? I was reading an article in the New York Times. I'm going to reference that here in a little bit. But one of the reasons, one of the objective reasons why philosophy has maybe taken a backseat or been kind of slid away from the limelight of, of public discourse was the rise of science and technology. You know, maybe nothing we use today emerged predominantly from philosophy. I don't think many would believe that philosophy had much of anything to do with the inventions of the iPhone or airplanes or the development of scientific theories. However, I would argue that if you asked, if you had a chance to talk to the Wright brothers and you asked them if they were philosophers, I would say that they would in some way say, yeah, I am, I am a philosopher at heart or I do like philosophy. I know what it brings. I would love to go back in time and have that conversation with the Wright brothers. So making a compelling case that philosophy lost its way when it was, or some make a compelling case, and again, I'm going to talk about this New York Times article, some make a case that philosophy lost, lost its way when it was purified. And these, these authors in the New York Times article, the opinion piece, they, they say philosophy was purified, and what that means is that it was separated from society. It was separated from society. There was a time hundreds of years ago, especially thousands of years ago, where philosophy ran, ran, ran its course through mainstream and, and communities and, and cities or whatever. It was, a very, it was a very popular thing, philosophy. But by purified, when the authors talk about being purified, I say it was condemned to the academic ins- institutions. And this may, be, this may have been in a, in a furious attempt to stay relevant with the natural sciences as, as they became fields of study in the kind of late 19th century. So the science, the sciences, mathematics, and even business studies all cast large shadows. And liberal arts studies, I think philosophy more specifically, they see far less sunlight, or so it seems. And again, this wasn't always the case. Here's another reason why philosophy may be unattractive. I think a lot of it may come down to, to money, making the cheddar. This might make philosophy unattractive. Might the predominant reason, that might be the predominant reason in the 21st century, is you're not going to get rich, financially speaking, financially speaking, not well-being, happiness. You won't get rich, financially speaking, as a full-time philosopher. Or that's the assumption, the common assumption, I think, that runs mainstream. So, and I will say, when I went back to school to study philosophy, this was after I retired from the Coast Guard. This was after a 20-year Coast Guard career. So I was in a position, I, I had a wife that was making a decent paycheck. I had the luxury of studying something I enjoyed, and I didn't have to worry about making a career from those studies after college. So I was in a, I was in a lucky or fortuitous position, I would say, to be able to pick and choose a subject that I just enjoyed for its sake, not for the sake of anything else. Philosophy, studying philosophy to me was an end in itself. There was no utility in it at the time. However, the utility started to come to me as I started to understand what philosophy was about, how to critically think, how to, how to capitalize on the spirit of meaningful dialogue using philosophical thought, stuff like that. I was never taught 
the tools of physical or philosophical thought. And this goes to my third point about why philosophy might be unattractive. When I was a child, you know, kindergarten through high school, I was never introduced to philosophy. I didn't know what really philosophy was. Not at any point during my, my adolescent days or into my teenage years, I was never exposed to philosophy. I was never taught the f- tools of philosophical thought, which I end every show with. So there might be another reason why philosophy is unattractive. And I think maybe a fourth reason why philosophy may be unattractive is I think there's sometimes it can be a stigma associated with philosophy and philosophers in general. You know, one of my professors at Florida Atlantic University, I said this on the show, you know, he referred to some of the older Western philosophers as a bunch of old dead white dudes. And maybe that's people sometimes are their conception of, of philosophy. That's what it is. It's Socrates. It's Plato. No, there's, there's women in philosophy. There's a lot of great inspirational women who study philosophy, who write philosophy, who are academics, uh, everyone, all colors and religions, Eastern philosophy. There's just philosophy comes from all over the world, all different races, creeds, colors. It doesn't matter. But I think maybe sometimes the stigma is associated from people who don't really know anything about philosophy is this, it is, it's Plato, Socrates, it sounds boring, it's 2,000 years ago, who really cares? So can philosophy contribute anything to leadership? And, and I think I've done a show like this maybe the first week or so when I was launching Leadosophy, and I was trying to kind of fumble my way through about leadership's importance to, to or philosophy's importance to leadership. But I think now I've been able to develop some ideas a little bit more, at least ask some more questions that maybe the audience can can think about or ponder on themselves. Again, I wouldn't have started this journey if I didn't think philosophy had, couldn't help leadership. I would have never started the journey. You know, again, this was the intuitive idea I had almost five years ago. Some people develop, even commit to writing leadership philosophies. So what's that about? What's the point? Isn't that philosophy? If you are a leader and you're trying to work out your own philosophy of leadership or a leadership philosophy, that requires the tools of philosophical thought. That requires critical thinking. It requires deconstructing some of your concepts of of leadership, some of your self-concepts, some of your concepts of how you view yourself, your leadership styles, and maybe forces you to put those on paper and think critically about them. Contemplation, reflection, maybe trying to put some teeth on abstract ideas, make them more concrete so you can understand them or develop them. So I think in that, in that respect, philosophy has a lot to offer leadership. I really do. Critical thought and meaningful dialogue about leadership are co-concepts of leadership, reflection and contemplation. These are things that philosophy can bring to leadership. Can't this help us understand what it means to lead? to lead well, to develop ourself, again, our self-concept of leadership, if only for our own purposes, if only for our own purposes. And why I say that is law of unique experiences. We all have to find our way in leadership. I posed a question in my Facebook leadosophy group today. Why is there no universally agreed upon definition of leadership? And the, the overwhelming answer was leadership is something different to everybody. I agree. Leadosophy agrees with that. That's why I started this show. It was taking my private journey and making it public. It was me trying to work out my own ideas philosophically about what leadership is. That's awesome for me. I like that. 
Again, we must, we must develop, each one of us, develop and understand leadership through our particular filter. We are the directors of the movie that plays in our mind. So I guess I want to know, has life become such a grind? Here's another question. Has life become such a grind, such a pursuit of so many things that we just don't have enough time to devote to contemplation or thought on a deeper level? I did a podcast the other day with a friend of mine who's a college professor. He had me on his show because he's the one who kind of launched me into the podcasting side or kind of kicked me out the door. I was, re- I was ready to do it, but it was kind of a lot of anxiety about putting my private thoughts public. And he kind of pushed me out the door and, and made me open my chute, my parachute. But he, he ended his show talking to me, interviewing me. He said, Tech, he said, check Tim's show out. He gave me a plug for the show. He said, check Tim's show out if you want to think deeply about leadership. If you have the urge to think deeper, on a deeper level about what leadership means. Again, I think what leadership means to you. Not what it means to me. I talk about a lot of stuff of what leadership means to me, but I try to ask a lot of questions because questions, again, are the, is the root of knowledge. Questions are the root of knowledge. Asking questions to yourself is just as effective. So I don't know, maybe people don't have the time or the energy to think deeply about leadership once the daily grind has reached its climax. Every day, I don't know. And I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm just, I'm kind of asking questions, kind of thinking out loud. And I would totally understand that a lot of people are, are extremely busy. Uh, they, have, they have kids, they have soccer practices, they have lacrosse practices, they have whatever it may be. They may, they're running a business. And it's a very, you know, COVID, all this stuff that's going on in the world, you know, who has time to, to take an hour or two hours to, to think deeply, to contemplate, to write about the thoughts that are flowing through their mind? I would say that, a lot of people don't. And that's, again, that's understandable. I understand that. What am I to contemplate about leadership using philosophy? Some say that leadership is intuitive to a point. Why, do you, why should you spend time in deep contemplation or thinking philosophically about leadership? Leadership is very intuitive. And that may be true to, to a certain point. And there are some philosophers who would argue that philosophical thought is about drawing out a lot of that intuition that you have and whatever philosophy you come up with, it's going to ride the rails of your intuition. It's going to, it's going to be biased towards the intuitions you have about what leadership is or what anything is when you, when you philosophize about it. And again, someone can make the argument that leadership's been going on for thousands of years, long before we had academic leadership studies, long before we had organizational leadership at Gonzaga, there's been leadership in communities and tribes, whatever they may be, this has been ongoing for, for millennia and more. So do we need to, to bring philosophy into leadership? Do we need to inject philosophy into the academic side of leadership? Again, I don't really think it hurts. I think philosophy and leadership can coexist. I think they should coexist. And again, to me, that seems intuitive. And, you know, I've tried to half-heartedly make a case why in this episode. I don't know if I've been successful, but those are some of my initial thoughts. I, I mentioned the ideas put forth by a couple of New York Times office, uh, authors, Robert Frodman and Adam Briggle. And this was, I'll link the article in the show notes. And they're the ones who talked about leadosophy was, or philosophy was purified, or it's kind of lost its way. 
and the late 19th century. And the title of the article is When Philosophy Lost Its Way. But one of the passages I pulled out of there I think was kind of profound for me. And it made sense, and I think it's applicable to this episode and to leadosophy. Frodman and Briggle write, quote, Our claim, then, can be put simply. Philosophy should never have been purified. Rather than being seen as a problem, dirty hands, or getting your hands dirty, should have been understood as the native condition of philosophical thought present everywhere, essentially interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary in nature. Philosophy is a mangle. The philosopher's hands were never clean and were never meant to be clean. What the authors are saying there, what I take away from this, is philosophy has its role everywhere in society. Philosophers, again, we're all philosophers at heart. I believe that. We all should be getting our hands dirty thinking about concepts critically, contemplating, trying to think more abstractly on some, some concepts, bringing some abstract concepts more concrete. That's philosophy. It belongs everywhere. You can't bottle it up and just put it in, a, in an academic institution, put it in the corner of liberal arts where no one really wants to, to see what it is. I can remember my first introduction to philosophy class at Florida Atlantic University. There was almost 100 100 kids in this class. I say kids. There were probably a lot of them, 18, 19, 20 years old. And people were just, I mean, it was just no one wanted to be there. And it sucked. It sucked because I didn't want to be there. And, and I felt like at age 40 at that time, I had understood the importance of what philosophy can bring to people's lives, what it can do. And again, I had 25 years to to mature, to see, to be in the work world, to be, have different experiences, to travel around the country, to go to different countries. And by the time I went back to school and studied philosophy, I could see what philosophy could do for you. And again, maybe a lot of people in that classroom had never even really been exposed to philosophy. They were, it was a requirement for, to take, for them to take a liberal arts class. They chose the introduction of philosophy course and you know, maybe they never, never got hooked on philosophy after that. Who knows? But leadosophy is about keeping philosophy and philosophical thought alive and well within the discipline of leadership and the study of leadership. That's, that's my goal. And again, that's my personal goal. I think we can all keep our hands dirty with philosophy. And again, it doesn't need to be locked away in an academic classroom. And some closing thoughts, uh, thoughts I believe if interdisciplinary philosophy is done from a place of passion and from a place of sense-making and knowledge-seeking, there could be no downside to mixing philosophy with leadership, to fusing leadership and philosophy. Remember, leadosophy is about fusing, or is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really do. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.